Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm Amen He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
They were so angry. They wanted to kill him. And they could. They were the religious leaders of the day. They rushed at this man, Stephen. They ran him out of town, pushing and shoving, hitting. And then they stoned him. They killed him with stones. They crushed him with stones. Stephen, a wonderful, godly man filled with the Holy Spirit, on his knees crying out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he was gone. Probably crushed his head with one final huge stone as he lay on the ground bleeding and broken. There was a man, a young man, who stood watching this, who began to feel in his heart such joy that this man was dead. He approved of what they had done. And he decided he would do even more. That these followers of the way needed to die, and he was going to kill them. But he would do it legally. And a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And the Lord used this persecution to scatter his people. And everywhere they went, without fear, they proclaimed the name of Jesus. They didn't care if they lost their property, if they lost their belongings. They proclaimed the name of Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And one man, his name was Philip, he went down to Samaria and he proclaimed the name of Jesus there. Now, there was great joy in that city because the cripples were being healed and the paralytics were being healed. The evil spirits were being cast out. Oh, this was an incredible time of release and joy, and the town was just shouting praises to God. I wonder... How much joy is there in Washington, D.C.? Because there are Christians there. <laughs> I suspect there's no joy in Washington, D.C. because of Christians. You think I'm right? How about your town? Is your town filled with joy and celebration because you're a Christian? Now, there was a man in Samaria. His name was Simon. And he was a sorcerer. He practiced magic. And he boasted that he was someone great. And the people, they all thought he was somebody great. And they paid careful attention. In fact, they called him the divine power, the great power. They followed what he did and what he said very carefully because they were amazed. The word actually in the Greek is they were bewitched. 
by his magic. They'd scratch their head. How'd he do that? This is incredible. No man can do that kind of magic. They were bewitched by it. Now, I want to pay very careful attention to this word bewitched. If you're bewitched, you're astonished. You enjoyed it. But it does not touch your heart. You're bewitched by something you watch on the television or the YouTube. You see a magic show. America has talent. You see some incredible magician work these wonderful tricks. In your heart, you know that no no man could do these things. I remember my father, when he was a young boy, maybe nine or ten years of age, there was a magician who was putting on a show, and so he went. And he said he had a little stove there, and it was on. And he put a skillet on the stove, and he got it hot, poured the oil in, And then he broke into that skillet two duck eggs. And you could hear them sizzle as they hit that hot, hot oil. He put the lid on, waited for a few minutes, and then lifted the lid off, and two geese flew out of the skillet. And he held the skillet up and showed there was nothing in the skillet. The eggs had turned to geese. Well, my dad was so astonished by this that he and his brother went to see this magician. After the show, they went to his home, knocked on the door, and they said, we'd like to become magicians like you. He invited them in. Are you serious? You want to be a magician? You're willing to do what you have to. Yes. Yes, sir. We want to become magicians like you. Okay, come on out in the kitchen. And there he got a a, a water. A, what do you call it? A, in the sink. Hot water. And he gave them each a skillet. And he said, I want you to scrub this skillet clean. And so they scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed. And finally they said, it's clean. They dried it. They called him out and showed him the skillet. He said, no, 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 no. That skillet is still dirty. Scrub it some more. So they scrubbed it. They did this three times. And finally... He said to them, now, is that skillet clean? Yes. Your heart must be as clean as that skillet is, washing away all of your foolish thoughts about who God is and who Jesus is. You can't be a magician like me and have anything to do with Jesus. The two boys looked at each other, totally downcast, They were Christians. They were Methodist boys. Dad said, we turned and ran home and never thought about becoming a magician again. They recognized it was occultism. It was evil. It was demonic. Well, this this man, Simon, He had bewitched the people, both high and low. They said he's the great power. He's he's with God. And then Philip came and began to preach the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Began to preach about, about Jesus. 
And he preached about the good news of the kingdom of God that releases you from all wickedness in your heart and all demonic power in your life. And the people were baptized and made covenants to belong to Jesus Christ. Now it says in Acts, the eighth chapter, verse 13, that Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere. Ooh, and, and the NIV uses the word astonished by the great signs and miracles. But the word is actually bewitched by the great signs and miracles he saw. In other words, Simon was bewitched by Jesus. It is not enough to believe and confess the name of Jesus, contrary to what many of you would say out of Romans 10. There is not a Romans 10 road. I'm sorry. That's taking Romans 10 out of context because you have to also look at Romans 6, 7, and 8 before you even venture to look at Romans 10. You can be bewitched by Jesus and it never touches your heart. The desire of our heart can be terminal for us. And Jesus can be a wonderful concept, and the kingdom of God is a wonderful concept, and and you want to be a part of that because there are many advantages for you to be a part of that. But in the quiet of your soul, you're going to say, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Why would you say a, a thing like that? Why, why would you say, I don't know if I'm saved or not? If you say that, you're not saved. You're not saved. You're bewitched. Watch. When the apostles in verse 14 in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That's a terrifying verse for me, because I have I have simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but I have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for that. I'm waiting on God for that. He has promised me that. That I will receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And he said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, he wanted the power. But his heart was bewitched. The gospel of Jesus Christ had not entered his heart. He had not repented of his sin. He had confessed the name of Jesus. He has said he believes in Jesus. 
He believes that Jesus rose from the dead. Intellectually, he's got it all down, but it's never touched his heart. He is still totally full of himself. And he sees that there is some power in the gospel that not only can improve his life, but can give him a position of power and respect and cause the people to begin to follow him again. But if they follow him, they will simply be bewitched by him again. But now he has a greater ability to bewitch them. To bewitch means to fool. Some of you have fooled others into thinking that you're Christians. And you have all the information. But your heart is full of yourself. Everything is viewed in terms of, does this please me? And will this achieve for me what I most desire to be somebody, to be recognized, to be respected, to be included? I want to be somebody. Bewitched. I'll show you what I mean. Peter answers Simon, May your money perish with you. Literally, may your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of the of God with money. You can't buy the gift of God with anything. It is a gift that God gives as he chooses for his work of the gospel. Now, listen to verse 21. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. A man whose heart is not right before God will not know if he's saved or he will know he is not saved. His heart will be desiring to be elevated in himself for what he wants. There will be no humility. His heart will be full of defensiveness. His heart will be full of arguments. And wherever he goes, he will be trying to impose his will on others to gain for himself some followers. He will know the right words to say. But he's dead inside. Now, listen to the direction. Verse 22. Repent of this wickedness. What is the wickedness? That he desires to bewitch others. That he desires to be the sinner. That he desires for everyone to serve him. Pray to the Lord. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. There's only one place a man can be converted. And that's praying before the Lord. To be changed by the Holy Spirit is a gift of God. Perhaps he will forgive you. Or perhaps, literal translation, affamy, perhaps he will remove this wicked mind from your heart. 
The NIV says, perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. But literally, he's saying in, in the Greek, if you repent and if you pray, there's a chance, perhaps, He will remove this wicked mind from you for having such a thought in your heart. Why does he say perhaps? Because only God can decide if you're really being honest with him. He does not turn away any person who is honest. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Today is the day of salvation. There is a place of salvation for you right now, but you're going to have to acknowledge how you have tried to bewitch people and make them think that you're something, where you have striven to have that position, where you have been utterly defensive and troublesome, where you've tried to work your magic. Perhaps he will remove from you, aphemy is the word, remove, for having such a thought in your heart. He doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, for I see, he's now speaking prophetically as an apostle. I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. In the literal Greek, it is being full of bitterness, but it's also being in the bondage of sin. Now, the bondage of sin is a reference many commentators believe as as well as I do, to the Roman custom of shackling a condemned man to a Roman soldier, to a legionnaire. His right arm is shackled to the left arm of the legionnaire. And he leads that man to his place of execution. Peter says, I see that you are full of bitterness and you are on your way to be executed. And Simon answers, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing that you have said may happen to me. In other words, pray to the Lord that I won't be executed. Now, history tells us that Simon Magus was not a faithful disciple. That he never turned in the fullness of repentance. So his sin was never removed from him and he became a great trouble in Gnostic theology to the New Testament church. He taught lies. He utterly rejected what Peter had said to him. He had no share in the ministry because his heart was not right before God. This is a terminal disease caused by a man's heart that is hardened and not right before Almighty God. You understand, we're dealing here with life and death. According to extra-biblical sources, Simon Magus died a wicked man 
a man still bewitching others with his teaching and his magic. But he had no part in the work of the gospel. There are many of you in the church today, as I shared yesterday, you have been greatly impressed and enjoy the wickedness of the culture that has been violated and turned into darkness in the American church. I have a friend who attends the cathedral, the Anglican cathedral or the Episcopal cathedral, rather, in Washington, D.C. Why does he like to go to that cathedral? He loves the chanting. He loves the music. He loves the grandeur of the cathedral. I've attended with him. He loves the the pleasing preaching that he hears there that does not confront him with his sin, but enables him to be whatever he wants to be, that encourages him to go for his vision, his dream. And he feasts on the beauty of the architecture of the cathedral, the moon window, the other beautiful stained glass, the bishop's garden. He loves everything about this wonderful, wonderful building called the Washington Cathedral because important people come to the cathedral. Important meetings are held at the cathedral. And all of the wonderful culture of the Anglican and the Episcopal Church is evidence there. And he loves it. He can go and sit and watch and listen and feast on the beauty of that place and never have to make any revelation of the wickedness of his heart. Many of you, you go to the church because there your creative desires, the pleasing sights and sounds, the familiar rituals and the Eucharist, You find great joy in all of these things of the the Ash Wednesday and and the Easter service and the flowers. I don't deny that it's beautiful, but if it bewitches you and you never see the wickedness of your own heart and you never turn from that wickedness, then it's never removed from your heart. And you have no part then. And as you live longer in your life and you have great disappointments in your wife, in your children, in your attempts to create wealth for yourself, as you are held captive by wickedness, as you are taken finally in bondage to be executed. Your heart breaks and you see the foolishness, but you're too proud to turn. I want to ask today, are any of you who listen to this broadcast recognizing that I'm speaking about you? Are you bewitched by Jesus, by the gospel, 
Are you absolutely astonished by the beautiful culture of the church? And yet it has never really touched your heart. It's never transformed you. Are you saved? Well, I think I am. Well, on what basis do you think you're saved? As death is rushing toward you. Well, I, you know, I've, I believe in Jesus, and I've repented of my sins. Yeah, I'm saved. No, you're bewitched. Your heart is still filled with wickedness. You've never been forgiven. You've never had the transformation of being born from above. You're full of bitterness. You're in line to be executed. Protesting, oh, Lord, but wait, look what we did in your name. I I paid my tithe. I was an usher. I was a preacher. I prophesied. I helped the poor. Look what I've done. No, it's not what you've done. It's what Jesus has done. Jesus died on Calvary for you. What have you done for him? Have you been willing to die with Jesus and give up your life? Or have you just tried to dress your life up in the Christian garb so that you could bewitch other people? And they would think, wow, that's a good man. No, there is no good man save one. His name is Jesus. It calls for us. If we want a share in the ministry of Jesus Christ, it requires that we acknowledge that we have been bewitched. It requires that we repent of the wickedness of our heart. It requires that we pray for whatever length of time is necessary until finally we identify and recognize that our hearts have been changed, that the bitterness is gone. our trust and our confidence we know that we know that we know we know we have fellowship with Jesus Christ because our spirit testifies with his spirit or his spirit testifies with our spirit that we belong to him and we see that in the way we live in the way we handle our money, our time, our energy, the way we relate to other people. We're not trying to use other people. We're not trying to compete with other people. We're not trying to be the great one. We're not looking for accolades of affirmation that we are somebody. No. We've humbled our hearts before Almighty God, and we've said, Jesus, you're the great one. And we worship you. Some of you are still stubbornly trying to have your way. And you're saying, oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Humble your heart before God. Humble your heart before your husband. Humble your heart before your children. Humble your heart before your wife. Humble your heart before Jesus. Humble yourself and repent of the wickedness and pray. Pray that he will forgive you for having such thoughts in your heart that you could be the great one. The bitterness of your heart will make you sick. 
I know people who are very, very ill physically because of the bitterness of their hearts. Some of you, if you will repent of your bitterness and forgive all who have harmed you, will suddenly discover that your body will feel better and you'll begin to heal and be restored by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The pitiful words of Simon, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Why didn't he just fall down on his face before Peter and begin to weep? And cry aloud to God and say, Oh God, take this bitterness from my soul. Don't allow me to be captive. Remove this captivity of sin in my life. Break the chains. Break the addictions. Set me free, Jesus. I belong to you. No, 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 no. Peter. Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. God won't hear that kind of prayer. God will turn that kind of request away. When the Lord had, when they had testified and proclaimed the word in verse 25 of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, isn't it interesting? It doesn't say Peter and John and Simon returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan. No, no, he didn't want a part of the gospel. He didn't want a part of the ministry that required him to give up his lucrative Magic business. He didn't want to lose his home. He didn't want the authorities to be on his case. He didn't want to get beaten. He would not have counted it a wonderful blessing to have been beaten and suffered the persecution for the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, no, no. Simon Magus was somebody. Everyone was bewitched by his personality. And his tricks. And they followed after him. Oh, do you see this today, my brother, my sister? The greatest danger of what I have said today is that you will say, Oh, that applies to this person or to that person. Surely that does not apply to me. Americans seem to have an inboard, inbound, inbred belief that they're special. We seem to have this from birth that we're somebody. We're exceptional. We're better than anyone else in the world. Our country is the greatest country in the world. Let's, let's make America great again. Before you can make America great again, you're going to have to clean up the blood that we've shed and filled our land with. And we're going to make a serious restitution. And we're going to have to repent to the other nations for how we have tried to control them with our armies and our money. That's never going to happen. America is not going to fall on its knees before the Savior, Jesus Christ. Instead, it is already bowing before its Lord and Master, the devil. And every kind of wickedness is filling our streets and our churches and our homes. And a few, a few will repent. I pray you're one of those who will turn and say, Jesus, it's me. I have to say that. 
I am Simon Magus. And I have repented of my wickedness. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me, to remove from me every possible avenue of my heart that could be filled with bitterness or wickedness that would lead to my death in the great judgment day. I rejoice today in Jesus Christ. I rejoice in his mercy, in his love, in his compassion. I also rejoice in his justice. For our Lord Jesus is a just God who punishes the wicked, who turns the wicked over to their desires and allows them to be destroyed in the great fire of judgment at the end of time. How is it with you today? Let's pray. Lord, I come pleading today your mercy for your people. Pleading today that by a wonderful act of grace and mercy, you could release my brothers or sisters from the bondage of sin and release them also from the bondage of sickness, depression, despair, discouragement, that you would come in power today and cause your people to give up being bewitched by our culture, by our cell phones and our internet being bewitched by all of the technology of our day that has done nothing for us morally but has led us down a dark road of arrogance and bitterness. Lord, I pray today for those who are so full of themselves that it's hard to even speak with them because They're spouting what they think and their opinion and what they believe. Lord, remove from your people our bewitchment. We have been unduly impressed by ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for lusting after the things of this world, the entertainment, the power, the money. I know, Lord, that everything is about to collapse in this nation, and we're headed into a time so painful and so difficult and so destructive that many of us will not survive what's coming upon us. Lord, the signs are on every hand, the signs of war. Lord, we have a a government in place today in America that is rushing toward a nuclear exchange with Russia and China, and in their arrogance, they've been bewitched by their power. Lord, I pray you will come and deal with our hearts and cause us to be honest with you, with ourselves, and with each other, that you would humble our hearts before your throne, that you would cause us to repent, and that you would come and remove our sin, that you would remove those wicked thoughts from our hearts, and we would be filled by your Spirit. Lord, we're a lazy people. We don't want to do the work required to enter into your kingdom. The prayer, the fasting, the reading of your word, 
Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive us and have compassion upon us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to thank each one of you who helps keep this gospel message on the air. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens with people like Chris or Dirk or or others who sacrificially give and say that what is most important to them is that the gospel go forward in this nation with honest integrity. If you'd like to be a part of these heroes who consistently, unsung, give so generously to the work of the gospel, I invite you to do that. You can do that by writing to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Notice that there are little indicators there for YouTube, Instagram, and others. Go have a look. It's all new. Brother Ed has been exhausting himself. Pray for his strength. Pray for Brother Ed and his strength. He has done an awesome job in Jesus. He's gone way above and beyond. So go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. And there you'll find many, many things to help you, inspire you, lift you, confront you, call you to repentance. Go take a look, and I invite you, please, if you haven't already, would you subscribe and would you click that thumb up and say, yes, this message was from my heart today. We need to spread this word. Jesus is coming again. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Joy with great joy.